Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. off track with Hinch and Rossi. Uh, hello and welcome, guys, to a season-ending episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Crazy, crazy times. We're done with the year. We're done with the IndyCar season. How does that feel? How do you feel about that? How does that make you feel? I'm what are you feeling right I'm, now? I'm tired about it. <clears throat> um, <laughs> are you tired about it or are you tired about the travel home? Um, yes. Can it I, be both? I feel like uh, for a very, very brief moment in time, I was going to have to do this podcast with just Tim and literally there is nothing that I wanted to do. It, it looked like in this world. Yeah, no, it, 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 the face that he made when faced with that prospect was just like, I don't know, maybe I could just kill myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I was, I was going to do the old eye racing trick during COVID and just go run and unplug my internet router. Oh no. <laughs> oh, 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 net, net code. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Sorry. It broke. <laughs> my bad. Um, yeah. But yeah. Fair. So anyways, James, you are in a, a, a well, you're never home anymore. And let's be honest, you're never really in America. But for Big F1 guy. Less true. Guy. For this for this episode, you're actually somewhere else for fun and family and not yeah. work, which is great. And not work, yes. Uh, a rare leisure trip for the summer, quote unquote. I guess it's still I mean, summer, fall yet. Over. I don't know. Yeah. Regardless, uh, yes, I am in Italy. I am in I am in Tuscany. Um, my mother is preemptively celebrating. A lot of F one stuff with Ferrari. Lot of F one stuff. No, this one's this one's a, a leisure trip because my darling mother uh, is turning seventy. She's not seventy yet, but for seventieth birthday, she wanted to do a family trip to Tuscany. And her actual birthday falls in a time of year where it's not great weather-wise. So she wanted to come in September. So she's she's only 69. She's 70 in a couple months. And so we're preemptively celebrating her 70th in Tuscany. And it's amazing. I just got here. My family all came out. So we're doing this on a Wednesday. Is that the day of yes. week it is today? That sounds right. Good Lord. So... Um, just on a Wednesday, my family got here. Well, they were supposed they they flew out on Saturday. They didn't get here till Monday because of some flight complications of their own. Um, 
And then I got here today, a couple hours ago. And I'm not going to lie to you guys, I'm running off not a lot of sleep. I got back from Laguna. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, at like four o'clock on Monday afternoon. And I was back at Indianapolis airport at two o'clock the following afternoon to fly out here overnight. I was just telling you, I think I slept like three hours on the plane and I'm just trying so hard to not go to bed. It's five 15 local. I'm almost there. I just got to make it through dinner and then I'm good to go. Solid yeah. night's sleep rolling. So I, relate, guys. I, have, I got seven hours and 15 minutes of sleep last night. I feel useless. Literally I have several jump off follow-up questions. Okay. Number one, by Tuscany, are you like, are you in Florence? Are you? Uh, we are outside of Florence. We're in a villa about 40 minutes from Florence. So it's kind of uh, out in the middle of, right in the middle of Chianti, like right in the middle of wine country. Oh yeah. It's beautiful. Are you going to get to go to Florence? Yes. Yes. Okay. So my family already did one little day trip there. We've got another one planned. We're doing a little excursion tomorrow. We're going to go check out like Pisa. We're gonna, do you have any suggestions? You know Italy better than I do. Um, well, you're in the right spot. Um, yeah, I mean, Pisa's fine. There's a there's a broken tower there. <laughs> it's a broken um, hotel. Yeah. If you go further west, uh, that's kind of where I lived for two years in like uh, Forte de Marmi, Via Reggio area. Um, but I'm not, as you guys know, I'm not a huge like art guy. Like I, I mm. get it, but I'm not like, I don't really care. Um, mm. The Uffizi, I don't, Uffizi, 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 whatever. There's one F off gallery in Florence. If you have the time, it is so worth the effort to buy the ticket, stand in line and check it out. Cause it's Noted. I mean, coming from me. That's, that's saying something. That's, that's yeah. Um, so that's cool. I, uh, I'm happy that, uh, you made it for your mom despite all of your travel commitments. So it's a very, very good so, son award, James. Well, th- thank you. I, I, at least I could do for family, but I do want to talk t- travel real quick. We're going to get to why you're so tired too, but I just got to tell you this story. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> my flight path was Indy. To, yeah, guys, if you don't like the travel aspect of this podcast, I mean, buckle up and tune out. Well, knowing James, you, you flew to Italy via like Melbourne, Bangladesh, yeah. like, yeah. No, it was Indy, JFK, JFK, Heathrow, Heathrow, Florence. Okay, that's correct. It's not terrible, right? Yeah. So we, I get to JFK. Then they're saying like, uh, a little bit of a delay leaving JFK. I'm like, okay. It's not the lengthiest connection at Heathrow for like an international arrival and transfer and all that stuff. But I'm like, should be okay. We finally start boarding. And I'm doing the math. I'm like, all right, we're going to have about an hour, which at Atlanta, no problem. Uh, here, maybe a problem at we Atlanta. We got it. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Heathrow changing countries may be a bit of an issue. So first, first of all, I'm going to go super first world on this one. I, the I, juice I'm on the plane. Isn't cold enough. <laughs> Dude, I sit down in my seat. The plug doesn't work. So like I had kind of burned through my phone battery. So like I just need to make it on the plane. Then I can charge it up. The phone plug doesn't work. 
Now, luckily I have a battery pack thing, so that was fine. But I'm like, that's weird that none of the phone plugs work. Then the TVs didn't work for the first like two and a half hours of the flight. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's weird. Then I had had dinner and I was like, all right, definitely time to get whatever sleep I can get. We should go to bed. Hey, can I grab a pillow? And they were like, oh, um, your pillow should be up here. And they like open the thing and there's no pillow. I'm like, yeah, no, there's, I got a blanket. There's no pillow. And they're like, oh, and they look around. They're like, so all the pillows go up in the overhead and clearly somebody got here before you and they took multiple pillows. So they're sleeping with two pillows, which means you don't get a pillow. I'm like, we have no spare pillows. No, I can bring you a rolled up blanket. I'd so like, no, I was find the guy. <laughs> like, I mean, walk up I and know down exactly the until you find the guy with two pillows. I know exactly where the guy was. I saw him when I first sat down. I'm like, man, he's got two pillows. This place is awesome. Not awesome for me. Uh, so yeah, they just sort of said, deal with that. And they brought me like a really hard place. It was like sleeping on a cardboard box. It wasn't great. And then the other thing that was, <laughs> well, yeah, anyway, so no, no, please the, say it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> so I was in business the class. Angle, the angle of your seat was three degrees instead of zero. No. So it was, it was one of those like weird layouts where, it was like one one seat facing one way, yeah, yeah. then two facing the other way, and then yeah. one facing the other way. Right? So I'm on the aisle, so and I sit on, down. So and you're on BA, huh? Uh, I was on BA. Yeah. And the I got to tell you, weirdos that do that. One of the worst planes oh. I've been on in Dude, a long time. Terrible. I don't understand why they did that cabin configuration. It's so stupid. Anyway, yeah. anyway. So, so but like you're sitting down, and like you're, like you're tight to the person next to you. Like, like at least you're looking I'm, in their I'm eyes. Almost, I'm like looking right at this dude. Like I am closer to this guy than like if I was on a date with Becky at a table for two and I was leaning in, like I'm right there. And this guy, big New York Jets fan, uh, he like, he was eating a bag of Skittles. Like I could feel my blood sugar going up as he ate them. That's how close I was. Like I was inhaling his exhale and I was, I I was getting, Imagine what would have, you were getting contact high from his skills. Imagine what would have I happened do. to Connor. Yeah. <laughs> he <had> a straight <laughs> coma. He would have straight run out coma. Of insulin before he even got there. Straight coma. So they do have a little divider thing. So I was like completely not bashful about it. I was like, see ya. And I, yeah. and I, you know, cranked it up and I didn't think he would be upset about it. There's no reason to be upset about it, but I was like, I felt a little awkward just being like, okay, bye. And this was before we took off. Well, evidently, for some completely illegitimate safety reason, that needs to be down for takeoff. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting there. And then like 10 minutes later, the stewardess just comes by, leads her, doesn't even say anything, just hits the button and the thing just crashes down. I'm like, what's up? <laughs> and the Skittles Did treat you, you buddy. <laughs> what are we what are we down to like a couple greens and two oranges you're like what what we got going on over there so here's the difference here's the difference between you and i i wouldn't have known that there was a human there like i would have oh dude you couldn't no you could feel his breath like you could not that's not a shot at him like this was not his fault this is ba's terrible layouts on their planes this is not again I understand the level of first world problem this is, but this was the problem that I had today. So this is what you get to hear about. But anyway, you would you would have noticed you would have been so quick to put that divider up because like you could not miss the guy, hmm. could not miss it. Anyway, got here. No, no. So then I land in JF, JFK. Okay, sorry, I I I, I jumped ahead. No, no, I didn't. So then I land in Heathrow. I got my kind of tightish connection because we were a little bit late. 
So Heathrow also just like, it's like the LAX of Europe. It's just awful. And so first of all, you get off and you have to get onto a bus. Like what grown ass airport are we still getting onto buses out of a plane? Like there's no jet bridge. You go downstairs into a bus. Fine. Get on the bus, go to immigration. There seems to be a little bit of a kerfuffle at the terminal. Um, Turns out all the escalators in Heathrow are broken, Mm. non-functioning. Now, in this moment, I'm super happy that Mitch Hedberg is one of my favorite comedians because he has a great bit about how like it's dude, it's where anybody who knows goes. It's just like, oh, you know, if an escalator is broken, you put up a sign saying sorry for the convenience because it's still stairs. It's yeah, the only thing that when it breaks. rarely stairs. Sorry. Right. For the it is still t- totally functional, except for some reason, nobody's allowed upstairs upstairs that are not supposed that are supposed to be moving. You're not allowed to just walk up them, according to Heathrow. So now planes worth of people are having to get into an elevator instead because there's no actual stairs and 10 people at a time go up and down. Not great when you're in a rush. Then we get through security and security is a whole thing. I forget. I've got like a little hand sanitizer thing. I didn't put into the plastic bag. They check my, they take my bag out of line. They're going, and I'm like, keep it. I don't want, I got to go. Cause they're trying to like do some sort of test on. I'm like, I don't care. Take it. Can I take my bag? I'm going. And I just left. Start going to my gate. They're like, okay, you're in a terminal. You need to be in B terminal. And you follow the science for B terminal and you get to, I can't make this up. You get to this place where you've got to go down to the trains. Again, the escalators don't work. So everybody's got an elevator down to the trains that also don't work. So you have to just walk it. So I'm now waiting my turn to get in the elevator to then like sprint flat out to get to this flight. I'm passing people on the way. They're like, are you going to Florence? I'm like, I'm going to Florence. They're like, hold the plane. So you're sprinting ahead, get there dripping with sweat it was like at takeoff time that obviously held it because enough people were in this situation because Heathrow was having some sort of meltdown and so you know they're like hey are you traveling with anybody i'm like yeah two older ladies they're right behind me i'm traveling with them just because like i ran by them and they're like hold the plane and and it was just the worst and it was so unnecessary and let us use stairs that are perfectly good stairs even if they're supposed to be moving Heathrow, i am very mad at you but I made it. My bag didn't. My bag's still somewhere in England. Not sure where. And hopefully it shows up at some point. But you know what, guys? I'm here. <laughs> I'm in Italy. I'm with my family. I've had a glass of wine. I mean, like, life's good. Life's good. <laughs> it, okay. At least you got a lot of sleep. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. That's that's tough. That's tough. It was a series of unfortunate events. Mm. But, you know, the plane didn't crash. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, why are you tired, Alex? I mean, my story is just way less interesting. I, I, I'm just tired because I was in San Francisco slash Palo Alto slash the Bay Area f- since uh, Sunday um, after Laguna, doing various things um, for sponsors and such. Um, and then the flight home that I could get was just a red eye on Tuesday. So I landed it. 5.45 on Wednesday morning and I'm just tired from it. But no dramas. Nothing bad happened. Um, I went to... I've now been to two um, conferences that I had never been to before uh, this year. So obviously at the beginning of the year, I went to South by Southwest. South by Southwest. Thought that was pretty cool. Would go back. 
Um, and this yesterday, I went to Dreamforce, um, which is an event put on by Salesforce um, yeah. in San Francisco at the Moscone Center, and it is unbelievable. So where South by Southwest, the technology aspect of it is, you know, oh, some hardware some software ces is kind of all hardware um dreamforce is very much the uh crm software side of things that exists which is obviously what salesforce is but what was amazing to me is so salesforce started out as this this web-based program it's not a program platform um that allowed basically companies to have a better understanding of customer service and who their existing customers were, what their new customers needed and that sort of thing. And it has evolved and grown into this thing that is, that is used by every single company on earth. It's enormous. And the the spinoffs of it are just crazy, man. So, um, just walking through and, and seeing, kind of every things that you do in your day-to-day life that you think are some of the most mundane simple things i'll give you an example a you go to a website because you have a gutter that's broken and you google search indianapolis gutter repair right and you find a website that you like and you read about them and the reviews are good or whatever and you hit like the contact form and you fill out this contact form which is like super simple like the level of detail and programming in the background that goes into something like that. Like there's an entire right. company for, and it's just, right, it's right. amazing that so many of these things are obviously designed. The user interface is designed to be very simple and intuitive and easy to use, but like to get it to that point, it's going to be so complicated on the back so end to be simple. Yeah. And it was yeah. just like, man, I, you don't even think about those things that we use. So anyways, it was cool to, to see that I was there uh, with MTT uh, data, which obviously title sponsor of the series and a partner of McLaren. Um, so got to, to see kind of that sort of thing, learn about them, man, some of the stuff that they're doing, like this isn't a plug for NTT whatsoever, but check this out. So their, their big thing is like all of us, you know, they're, they're semi annoyed by like internet. Like it's, it, it's fine, but it could be a lot better. Right. Mm. Um, it's in a lot of cases and scenarios, and so they're working on an internet that's powered by light, um, which is very cool. Um, and it will be like exponentially better than current internet. I don't really understand the details of that because they just briefly glossed over it. But one part of their kind of tour that I did really find fascinating, that you will find fascinating, is they're developing these drones that can be... Um, that are that are lightning resistant. They can go into storms. They are a, their their whole purpose is to get struck by lightning, and they have the ability to capture and store that energy, harness that energy, harness that energy, and use it as a renewable energy source. They are literally capturing lightning in a bottle, and it is like the coolest thing I've ever heard of. In a drone bottle. That's insane. So it, wait, I wonder like how that there it's connected. It's got like an umbilical cord. It's like this massive oh. assume, battery pack or whatever yeah. in the bed of a truck. And then it's just all brought somewhere. Like again, 
they went to, they didn't go to very high, it was a very high level overarching, like, look at, Hey, this is some of the stuff that we're doing. Obviously not the intrinsic detail of it, but yeah. That is insane. Very like, I wonder impressive. how many, wonder how many Teslas you could fully charge with one lightning strike worth of energy. I also just love that eventually technology comes back around to like the the way we thought it would be in the 1800s, where it was just like, well, how are we going to bring this uh, this monster to life? I don't know, lightning. It's like, uh, actually, let's hear Mary Shelley out. She may have been onto something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, I literally saw. I think I sent Alex this thing. I think I sent Alex this thing on Instagram the other day of like just a full on flying car, like Jetson style. Like they're just flying cars now, but like, I know we've kind of had people trying to do this for a while, but like the FAA has approved this thing that drives on the road, but then also can just take off vertically and land vertically. If need be, imagine just driving your car and being like traffic. Nah. And, and then just. So, so it's coming much sooner than you think. Um, it, and it won't be for you. But it'll be for Uber, Amazon, etc. So you can you could essentially order an Uber that does this, um, but it is going to be automated. Like there's there's very little human involvement in it. Yeah, um, which yeah. is wild. The airspace is zero to a thousand feet. Um, so there's a lot. They've already kind of defined the parameters of where and when this will be possible. Um, it's. I mean, it's it's. I would say in the next, I would two to three ish years, you're going to see it in like major, major places. Like, have you ever seen the movie, uh, the fifth element? No. Okay. Well, we have to fix that immediately. Yeah. It is arguably Bruce Willis's (laughs) best movie outside of Die Hard. Um, I got nothing going on today, guys. So I will uh, go downstairs and watch it. It's it's actually a very good movie, but Timmy, like you know the flying cars they have there, and they see like like modern day yeah, yeah. whatever in New York, whatever, and they're all just like level, like the buildings are a mile high, and everybody lives at a certain level, and the cars just fly at that level. Like that's coming. That's exactly where we're headed. Great movie. Everything Great. sci-fi. It's so good, man. I can't believe Think you haven't seen that. it. Think about that. That the line, right? In, in Saudi Arabia, like that city that they're oh yeah, building oh, their my own, God. like internal ecosystem. Like yeah, there's a lot of sci-fi madness madness i'm cindy lopper my psoriasis was all over even on my scalp which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis but cosentix works on both Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Every day, our world gets a little more connected. 
but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. So we've talked about the future of technology. We've talked about travel woes, which means we've covered the bases for the podcast. Um, we should probably touch on Laguna while we're here and uh and yeah so let's just what let's talk about your well here's the thing okay here's the thing there's so many i have so many things to say here first and foremost i want to i have okay okay let's start okay let's start with this one was it a cluster in many ways yes but can those be entertaining? I would vote also yes. Because here's the thing. If that all hadn't happened, guys, I hate to tell you, after the first round of stops, it was very clear Alex Pillow was going to win this race by 38 seconds. So am I proud of the collective group that we had eight cautions for like 38 laps? No, I don't think that's what we need. An but hour and 22 make- minutes under yellow. But did it make for a more exciting race? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say yes. I'm going to vote yes. And it kind of goes to like your whole point, Alex, about Nashville. It's like, hey, if we have to have one a year, that's just a complete show. Look, that I'm for it. I I didn't hate it as much as everyone on the Internet seemed to. Um, But they hate everything. I didn't say I hated it. I just said it was a cluster. Yeah, like, I mean, my yes. life's a cluster. I can relate. Yeah, yeah, but no, you hate that. Yeah, that's correct. correct. That's fair. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, here's here's. I mean, I, I can't get into it, but some of the stuff that people are very upset about on the internet have a right to be upset about. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think the driving standards were poor. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not it's not everyone's fault. And I'll explain why, because I was there and I did it. Okay. The the, the number one issue, if you wanna if you wanna point fingers at something, because everyone needs something to blame, right? I, I, I have I hope I know what you're about to say, but go ahead. Oh, I'm really curious down, if we have the same thing. Okay. Well, comes down to where the restart zone is and what that is defined by. Okay. So passing the last corner. <laughs> it's passing the last corner, right? We're yeah, one of the only championships the on earth that does that. Yeah. Um, again, we, like we also, you know, don't care about blue flags. I mean, there's a lot of things that we are the only ones to do, but um, it is so slippery offline. Like it is essentially 
you are on a dry track on slicks and you go offline on the damp part as and you're still on slicks like it's it's like you're on a drying track and there's one line right and you're on slicks and you have tire temp and everything's fine and then you drop a wheel and you go off you crash you go off you you spin you do something it is that level of dip grip differentiation so because we're allowed by the rules to pass into the last corner you've got these you've got the the front guys who know that there's this grip differentiation and so the last thing they're going to do is like try and be anywhere but on the racing line even if it means they're not really going to defend the corner because they don't want to go straight and hit the car in front of them they don't want to go straight miss the corner and get passed by six cars so if someone's going to lunge them they'll kind of let it happen right but because of that you've got this accordion effect that happens so 10th back it's a 40 mile an hour corner so 10th back if you stay on the racing line you're essentially going to be stopped so you have to kind of just go to the inside but when you do that and you hit the brakes literally all four tires lock up like it's not because you're an idiot it's not because you don't know how to do it it's not because you're trying to take people out and it's not because you're trying to pass five cars you're just trying to go to a different part of the racetrack just like we do on ovals it starts and restarts and find lane two lane three or whatever but it is so slippery you become a passenger and it's just that's what that's what you saw um now some of the other incidents that happened during the race where guys were driving into each other and doing dumb that was a kind of a driving standard thing but the starts and restarts i really don't fault anyone because like i i was on the inside a couple times and i'm not you you instantly lock both front tires without even any brake pressure like there's nothing you can do it's terrible absolutely so I think, uh, and I wish I had thought about this on the broadcast, but I will say it to our much smaller but loyal audience now to kind of put it into perspective, right? Because you brought up the point about it's kind of like being on a driving, uh, drying track. There's one dry line and off track's wet. When you're going, when it starts to like drizzle, or sorry, let me rephrase that. When it's raining and it starts to go dry, either way, they have like a, a target lap time where it's time to switch tires. Right. So if it's wet and it's drying, you get to a, you get down to a certain lap time. You're like, okay, yeah. now it's time to get off. And if it's wet, if it's dry, but it's starting to rain, you're slowing down. There's a time where it's like, okay, now it's time to get onto wets. That lap time is it's obviously different for each track, but it's somewhere like around seven seconds. That's like kind of a normal number, right? Yeah. The difference between last year, last year's pace, and then this year's pace with the repave was five seconds. So online, it was five seconds quicker than it was last year. So even if last year had the same amount of grip offline as it did, and it was less, that's still a five second. That's almost the difference between wets and dries. So like that's to put it like when you go offline and break, yeah, that's what you're dealing with. And that's why it was like it was so tough for everybody. And like some of the things we saw in practice, guys were like, you didn't even think their wheel was outside the line. Like the one for me was... um mclaughlin's into turn two like maybe he was a little bit wider than people had been hitting the brakes but as soon as he hit the brakes rears locked and he was sideways the whole way down to turn two like it was madness how how low grip it was at the start of the weekend um you know the 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 crash at the crashes at the start pretty typical first corner stuff when you have 28 cars or whatever jamming into a hairpin uh, the Colton Dixon Renus one was kind of the only one that 
people I think could have different opinions on. The rest of it was all pretty straightforward. Um, there were a bunch of weird incidents later in the race, certainly. The, but yeah, but, but like, like you say, the turn 11 stuff was kind of the joke. Like if we just had a, an agreement where you can't pass until you're out of the last corner, I'm not even saying don't pass to the start finish line. Cause like a guy can ball up getting on the power or like overshoot the last corner and have a terrible exit and having to sit behind them until the start finish line is kind of, I think it's dumb. I get why series do it. Cause it's really easy to just set that. Mm-hmm. But if you just said at certain places, right. We've said it before in Long Beach, and there have been years where we had a quote unquote gentleman's agreement of just don't pass into the hairpin. You know, apparently we can't do that anymore. And uh, and that would have been perfect here, but it's not going to happen unless it's a rule. So I don't think any car is going to make it a rule anytime soon. It's just not how we've done it for a long time. So yeah, kind of between a rock and a hard place there. But um, the race itself, I assume you haven't watched it. Uh, Alex Pillow was going to walk away with another one. Uh, he got totally boned by a yellow. Well, he got his at. I mean, he, he was the one, the first yellow, we all got boned behind him. So myself, Power, Pato were on one hell of an overcut. And Pillow made it to pit lane. He had such a yes, lead at this right. point. He made it You're to right. pit lane. We all got caught out. Colton was in that as well. And so, like, basically third through seventh or second through seventh were on this overcut because the overcut was the name of the game because there was right. negative dig on the red or on the primary tires. So, meaning as the fuel level came off, the car got quicker. So, you wanted to save as much fuel as you can. So, as people pitted and were having to deal with outlaps on cold tires, which was also very hard getting the tires up to temp, in those exchanges, you were going to be, you know, making making progress, very similar to kind of what we saw at Portland. So, um, we were on that. Yellow came out for Felix and the Marcus thing. And so, myself, Power, Colton, and Pado. I want you to finish your point, but I'm going to interject slightly because it's not that. Polo was pitting because he had to. He was at a part of the track where they saw the incident and they dove into pit lane and then the yellow came out before the rest of the group could get there. Oh, well, that's nice that, you know, they closed closed pit lane this time. So this this leads to the discussion that I wanted to have because he will. So he got boned by it the next time, right? Because he was doing that overcut that you were talking about. There was contact though, right? Right. So that's as, as, that's what we try to explain on the broadcast, right? Is IndyCar has a philosophy. I don't want to call it a rule because there are always exceptions to it, right? But the philosophy is if there's a car stopped without contact, off track and visible, you can leave it open during a pit cycle, a la Canapino in Portland, right? You could argue that his car position was dangerous, whatever. But the fact is he didn't hit anything. There was no reason to rush uh, the safety team there because there's no risk of injury. Yeah, Phoenix whatever. didn't hit anything either. There was car to car contact. Oh, but dude, that's he, but no, he, but, he but, drove but, on after the point. Like that wasn't why he was out. His car was fine. He had a puncture and he kept driving. It's not that a car dumped him into the kitty litter. There, no, but Marcus was Marcus was stopped in turn one, in turn two. Sorry. So well, well, he beached it. Marcus stalled in turn two after they hit. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, but so well, just so to, that's for a, that's them, a, that's the reason to close it. It's not because there was car to car contact. It was because there was two cars. 
Like that's a much better reason. But the car to car contact is black and white and makes it easy for teams to know whether or not they're going to throw the caution that's not, immediately that's not why, or that's let it not go why through. The car ended up in the gravel, but okay. No, that's not why the car ended up the gravel, but that is arguably why the yellow came out. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe because there's two cars. Yeah, that actually does make more sense. Yeah. Either way. So, so finally, we're like, all right, Pelot's finally not going to have a race where he finishes in the top eight because he's finished in the top eight in every race this year. Nay, nay. The way the race played out, Scott Dixon did what Scott Dixon always does. He got a drive through penalty. Literally. Turned it into. <laughs> literally, as I, I was somebody, watching it with Kelly and Ashley in the bus. And I, uh, when he got the drive through penalty, I go to Kelly. Can't wait to see how this leads to Dixon winning today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had one other person text me something very similar. Be like, oh, I guess the, whatever strategy Dixon's on now is going to win. And um, the answer is yes, that is correct. He just got in the right place at the right time, got to the front, saved the fuel he needed to save, became a fuel safe thing kind of at the end. And then there were so many yellows that it didn't. The one who bit it hard, unfortunately, was the five car because they were in a position to potentially win that race. But because they had so much yellow at the end, they thought they were going to have to stop again. So they had saved their sticker reds for the last stint, but there was so much caution at the end that you could have actually made it on fuel, but per the rules, they hadn't run the reds yet. So they had to come in to get the reds from the lead with like 10 to go. Yeah, but he would have been in a tough spot anyways, because even before the last yellow, he still hadn't put the reds on. So like Grosjean and him stayed out. So Pato was second on the road. Like he wasn't going to open up a 30 second gap. No, no. But I'm saying if he had run the reds earlier in the race. Oh yeah. He wouldn't wouldn't have had to pit. That's true. But like we were on the the same program and we made the decision on the penultimate yellow that we got to take it and put reds on. Like we were, we were You you were the last two. Yeah, that's right. And so it was like, we, we, we haven't run them yet. We've got to run them. And at least on this restart and for the last, you know, at this point, 17 laps, we're going to have, you know, the tire that comes up to temp quicker. So we'll take our penalty, especially because we didn't have an air jack. So we were like, we need to just get this over with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, the race obviously got, I think the race got taken away from Pato quite honestly much earlier than that because it wasn't so much of a, a fact at the end that they hadn't run reds. It was a fact that Dixon and McLaughlin had such a part of the early part of the race that it just put them on the right strategy. It was going to be hard to beat regardless of who right. you were. Like, yeah. Pato, yeah, yeah. Pato ran the traditional race and did what he was supposed to do to win all the way up until like lap 50, lap 55, when then you realized it was going to be an absolute. Yeah, because McLaughlin, so yeah, Polo got boned on one thing. McLaughlin got a penalty, I think, or got knocked off on the first lap McLaughlin and was like 18. three front wings, yeah. Right, so all, all the guys that had problems ended up <laughs> on the podium. Right. Now, the irony of it is that also your first, second, and third in the race also was your first, second, third in the championship which is kind of weird little poetic finish to the season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I feel like they were the, they were the best three guys all year. Yeah. They were two of the fastest three crews in pit lane. 
um, two of the best finishing averages. You know, like we talk about Polo not finishing worse than eighth. If you take out Long Beach where Dixon, you know, got dumped by Pato, that he would have had every race in the top eight, I think, as well. So that just shows. It's amazing. I mean, they did an amazing job. But like the fact that Ganassi did that for two cars is two cars insane. And you think of like what, how many races Dixon had issues and then came back. He won most of those. You know, I think of Polo in Toronto getting shuffled back, cranking the wall, broken wings, still on the podium. Polo here getting boned halfway through the race on a yellow, driving back through, finishing on the podium. It's it's incredible, man. Both drivers, both teams, the whole, both crews, the whole team. First in the championship, second in the championship, rookie of the year with Marcus Armstrong. He took that despite missing five races. Incredible. Um, so, I mean, let's let's just let's just sum up the year, man. Give give your give your give the seven car a, a grade. And uh, what's the biggest thing you guys are going to work on in the winter? What's the biggest thing you want to see improved on your program for twenty four? Um. All right. Well, th- I would say the year started off with despite everything probably an an a and then post 500 probably went to like a d okay and then ended on a on a b plus um so we kind of we 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 rode the wave if you will um of you know things Things in the beginning of the year were incredibly challenging from a people and process standpoint, um, just with so many new new faces, some of which had never either seen an Indy car before or a race car before. Um, but despite that, you know, there was some results that came pretty immediately and, and pretty easily, despite us not really capitalizing on you know everything that we could. And then, you know, it got into the summer um, and we had, you know, a few races um, in a row, specifically kind of Road America, Mid-Ohio, Toronto, that were a big struggle um, from, for various reasons, um, uh, strategy, reliability, outright pace, um, just, just difficult. And then, you know, we kind of turned a corner um, in, in Nashville and we're able to, for the most part, you know, carry that forward from a, from a performance and process and decision-making standpoint for the rest of the year. Um, so it's, it's sometimes difficult to get out of a downward spiral, especially when, you know, there's so many consecutive weekends in a row. Um, but as a new group, the fact that we were able to do that, uh, was good. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I am very much looking forward to next year. It's, I cannot talk enough about how difficult it is to add a car, um, to, to a team in this championship. Um, if you look at, you know, some of the incidents that were outside of Pato's control, my control, Felix's control, you know, from a performance standpoint on Saturday and Sundays, you know, we were a team that could challenge Ganassi and Penske. Um, and ultimately that reflected in the championship, you know, we, two cars beat both Andretti's. Um, so we, we, we were the step that, you know, we should have been, but because there was so much promise at various points, especially on the five car, 
um, you know, it's hard to not look back on the year with some disappointment and some feeling of missed opportunities. But again, can't understate how difficult that is. Also, the the challenge for me switching engine manufacturers is one that I did not realize was such a big learning curve. Um, I cannot, I still can't believe how different an engine that's been around for 11 years and essentially is the same architecture, how different they can be, yet still seemingly produce the same results. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was... It was exactly that. It was a learning year. A lot of people now come away with um, an understanding of, of what we need to do. I think the NDGP in August was a perfect example of, of what we're going to be able to do next year. You know, we showed up to that event as a group, having never seen it, qualified like 13th, um, came back, qualified third. Like it was just, it, we saw it again as a group for the second time and were able to make the adjustments. So many of our weekends got good on Sunday but right. we kind of struggled through the Friday and Saturday finding our way. So um, obviously it's all going to change to a certain extent next year uh, with the hybrid coming on board. Very excited about that. That also means some good things for your boy. The weight distribution is going back rearwards pre kind of aero screen days. So Getting I'm that pretty, junk back in the trunk. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see how that all takes place. We've got a lot of testing this off season more than I've ever had in IndyCar. Um, so in terms of refining what we do as a team, that's going to, you know, grow at a much faster rate than it would in a normal off season. So that's, that's exciting for all of us. Amazing. Well, Hey man, I think it was, I know there was some challenges and some ups and downs, but overall, like you say, for adding a car and we've seen how challenging that was for Ray Hall. We've seen how challenging that was for Meyer Shank. We've seen Penske that's scale back. Yeah you know, because of that. Uh, so I think you can be, you know, proud of a lot of the things you guys did this year and excited to see what next year brings. Um, there's a lot and, of movement on the driver just, market, I, but I just I, need to, yeah, just re, re, reiterate. We beat the 27 and the 26 guys. Yes. That was like yep. priority number one. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Would, so, would you still uh, have admitted it was priority number one if you didn't do it? I would have been in a pretty bad space. Yes. Okay. All right. um, so yeah, lots of movement in the driver market, but we're going to save that for next week because we're timed out and there's no any car race next week. So let's save that stuff for next week. Uh, in the meantime, buddy, congrats on a, on a strong uh, first season with McLaren. I want to thank all the fans who tuned in and watched us on NBC. I want to thank everybody on the NBC crew for week in and week out, doing an incredible job, putting on a great show for you guys and, and putting those pictures up whether you're watching on TV, on Peacock, whatever. Uh, thanks to the fans for another great IndyCar season. And, hey, we're still around, guys. We're going to be doing this, whether you like it or not, every week until we get back. We get back racing. I'm going to choose not. I don't like it. Yeah, well, fair <laughs> enough. All right. All right, guys. We'll be back next week. We'll talk some stuff in the IndyCar driver market. And, uh, and I guess maybe some Formula One because that's all we have to talk about now. This has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Off Track is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. We're at Ask Off Track on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, I'm at Hinchtown. He's Alexander Rossi. And if you want to follow Fim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. 
Off Track is produced by Tim Durham. And by that, we mean Finn. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.